part four of our series, Off the Leash, Off the Leash. And uh, we're talking about this idea that there is freedom in Christ, that Jesus, he, he made a way for us to know him and that salvation is free through Jesus. And then because of the free gift of salvation, we can now live free in Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the good news. We, we throw around that word gospel all the time at church. The word gospel, it simply means good news. Now, what's happening in the book of Galatians is that these people have received the good news. They've re- received the gospel, and now people have come into the church in Galatia, or the, the churches in Galatia, and they're changing the good news, and they're making it regular news. What I mean by that is The gospel is good news because it's the free gift of salvation through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's really simple. And then people are coming in and they're saying, you thought it was free, but it's actually going to cost you a lot. And what they're saying is, you thought it was great news. You thought it was this amazing message that all you have to do is believe in Jesus. And then these people are coming on and saying, actually, uh," it's like when you think you're getting a discount and then you find out you're not actually getting a discount. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, oh, I thought, I thought you were going to hook. Like, it's like your friend works at, like, Starbucks or whatever, or Chick-fil-A, and you thought they were going to, like, give you a deal. And then, it like, you rang it up, and you're like, that's what the menu says. Like, bro, come on. And, and what happened was this good news, this gospel was now becoming regular because they were adding things to the message. Because what they were saying is that Jesus Christ alone isn't enough for salvation. It's actually Jesus plus other things. So the Apostle Paul, he gets out his pen and paper or he gets out his laptop and he puts caps lock on and then he begins to write the angriest letter that is in the Bible. Because he wants you to understand how serious it is when you mess with the free gift of salvation. He wants them to know that the gospel is free. The good news is free. It's through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And so he writes this book to correct this thinking because the message of Jesus is simple. It's Jesus plus nothing. And now tonight we're going to see more of the problems that are putting free people back into bondage. I've titled this message, if you want to write this down, you can't sit with us. You can't sit with us. Galatians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read quite a few verses, um, and then we're going to talk about it. Um, Oh, I'm going to tell a story. We're going to talk about it. We're going to pray. The worship team is going to come back up here. Sound good? All right. Verse 1, it says, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. Pause real quick. Paul is writing again, and the beginning or the end of chapter 1, Paul begins to share his personal story. And last week, we talked about the power of your story, that God has really pulled you into his story with your story. And we need to look at how our story sort of intersects with God's story. What's my part in the big story that is God's story? And so Paul shares his personal experience. This is how I came to know Jesus. And then he says, then after 14 years, so 14 years after he placed faith in Jesus, he said, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. In other words, Paul says that I got a revelation from God that I was supposed to take the message of Jesus to Gentiles. Gentiles are non-Jews. And he said, I went to sort of the, the he says the word, uh, where's the word? Um, proclaim, 
Influent, those who seemed influential. So he brought it before sort of like the church leaders. This is like Peter. This is like James. This is like the guys that like rolled with Jesus from the beginning. And so he goes and he's like, hey, I got this revelation from God. I feel like I'm supposed to preach the message of Jesus to the Gentiles. What do you think? And he says, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't doing anything wrong. He says, but even Titus, who was with me, uh, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet... Because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we've received in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us back into slavery. To them, he says, we did not yield in submission even for a moment so the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. In other words, what he's saying is that Peter and the rest of the guys said, your gospel is cool. The, the gospel that goes to the Gentiles, it works. It's, it came to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. No matter what background you come from, faith in Jesus means access to God. It's simple. And they're like, Paul, we're stamping our approval on it. And he says, but there was these other guys that came in and they were trying to tweak things. But listen, he said, we, we didn't have to do anything. They were talking about circumcision. They were talking about the law. They were talking about these things. But we didn't do any of that because it's the gospel. It's simple. He said, we didn't even yield to it. And then the next verse, it says, and from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. He's like, they thought they were something. I couldn't care less. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they, had saw, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he worked through Peter through, uh, for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised, worked also through me for mine. You see what Paul's saying? Uh, a lot of commentators say that this is like the most confusing Paul's ever been. Have you ever been like so frustrated and angry you can't quite communicate what you're trying to say? That's kind of Paul in these open, he's going to get somewhere. In just a moment, we're going to see. But he's just like, you guys need to understand that the gospel is simple. That's all he's trying to say. The gospel is simple, and people keep messing it up. People keep trying to add stuff to it. It's simple. It's just Jesus. It's always only Jesus. It's very simple. And so he's all frustrated and bent out of shape. And then next verse, when, when James and Cephas, now Cephas is, is Peter, the apostle Peter. Back and forth, Paul calls him Cephas. Call, Paul calls him Peter. Why? I'm not 100% sure. You can ask Shane or Alex afterwards. And Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, actually better yet, ask Hannah. She'd probably know. Who seemed to be pillars, perceive the grace that was given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumstances. So they basically dapped up and said, okay, you're going to go that way. I'm going to go that way. We're good. The gospel goes to the Jews and it goes to the Gentiles. And then it says, only they asked us to remember the poor. And he says, the very thing I was eager to do. Next verse. But when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Now, we're talking conflict right here. I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. In other words, he was busted. He was condemned. His actions had condemned him. Next verse. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, but... When they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. That does not sound like a fun party. Anyways, verse 13. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas, somebody say, <gasps> even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. 
But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though, a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Father, we ask that you would bless this, uh, this teaching, God, right now. Speak to us through it, Lord. It's kind of crazy and confusing, but, God, we, have, we know that you have a word for us tonight. So we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Have you ever done something to try and impress somebody else? Ever done? Come on, be honest. You've ever done something to try? How many of you, let's be super honest, has, have really hurt yourself trying to impress somebody else? Oh, wow, quite a few of you. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so I was speaking at a youth camp uh, about a year ago. And uh, some youth leaders came and the youth pastor came to me and said, hey, do you want to be the greatest guest speaker we have ever had at one of our camps? And I said, uh, I'm not already? Like, what do you mean? And they're like, no, listen, if you want to be like the most legendary speaker we've ever had at one of our camps, you've got to do something for us. I'm like, okay, that sounds like pretty cool. I want to be the most legendary guest speaker of all time, so what do I got to do? They're like, all you got to do is eat a sandwich. I'm like, yeah, I can eat a sandwich. Like, I eat sandwiches, like, for lunch all the time. (laughs) Like, I'm so good at eating sandwiches. And uh, so they're like, okay, but here's the deal. What's going to happen is tonight we're doing like this talent show kind of event thing. And um, this guy's going to walk out and uh, they're going to have a conversation on the stage about wanting to make a sandwich. And the guy's basically going to say like, hey, I want to make a sandwich. Do you have any bread? And the guy's going to be like, yeah, I have bread. And he's going to pull bread out of his pockets. And then they're like, okay, we need meat. And then he's going to pull meat like out from underneath his armpit and put it on the sandwich. And then he's going to, like, need mayonnaise, and he's going to have mayonnaise underneath his underarm picket, and he's going to, like, wipe the mayonnaise. And they're going to basically make a sandwich off of homie's body. (laughs) And I was like, I thought about it for a second. And I said, no way. I said, there is no way on the planet. Like, I don't care how cool the students think I would be. It is not worth it for me. There is no way on planet on this plane, I'm going to eat the sandwich. And I, I, I stuck to it. I'm like, I'm not eating the sandwich. So that night, fast forward, there was another youth leader. They must have gave him the same pitch, right? Hey, you want to be the greatest youth leader of all time? And the kid's like, yes, please, anything. My cabin does not like me at all. And so they're like, all you have to do is eat a sandwich. And he's probably like, a sandwich, you say? And this kid came up, and he ate the sandwich that was crafted like literally like literally at one point they went like this and like pulled cheese out from underneath like and put it on this and then kid just came up sandwich was all done and you just went yep that was my exact reaction I was like I'm so glad that wasn't me the reason I bring that up is oftentimes we find pressure from other people that causes us to do things that we would never ordinarily do Right, like no way, like there's no way, especially just for likes, are you kidding me? Some of you guys would do it for the likes though, or for the laughs, like you guys are like, yeah, I'm, I don't even need money, I'd just do that to make my friend laugh. Like you don't even need a big audience, like you would do it for one friend, like you're that person. Anyways, they, the, the reason is because they were trying to imp- impress, impress somebody else, and this is, the reason I bring this up is this is what Peter had done. Did you guys see it? What happened was Paul was telling about this interaction that they had with, with Peter and the other apostles where they say, hey, we feel like God is calling us to go preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And Peter's like, go for it. The Gentiles, non-Jews, need the gospel. And they're like, all right, we're going to do it. 
And then they leave, they go do their thing. People get saved in an area called Antioch. And then Paul comes back to Antioch. And there in Antioch, they're, they're having some sort of meal together. Most people think it's communion that they were taking together. And Paul walks in on this, and he sees that at one point, Peter was eating with the Gentiles. He, he, he didn't even think anything of it. He thought, we're all Christians. We're all part of the family of God. I don't care your background. I don't care your skin color. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've been through. We are all a part of the family of God. And he was hanging out with them, and he was eating with them. And then these religious leaders rolled into town on their high horse, and Paul, or Peter left his, I mean, and this is middle school, right? He, like, has his cafeteria food. He gets up. He sees these other guys. He just got invited to the cool table, and he's like, sorry, guys. Hope you understand. And he leaves. And he begins to sit at this other table because of who was there. And what's happening is this group of people have created a cultural Jesus. What I mean by that is they, rather than taking Jesus for who he was and believing on him and then adopting his life now as their life, they created their own Jesus they, they molded him and twisted him and said that Jesus actually is like this. And they began to follow that Jesus that they created. Rather than taking Jesus for who he is, they created a Jesus that fit into what they wanted. Listen, the gospel is simple. If you believe in Jesus, you will be saved. But they didn't like that. And so what these Jews did or these Judaizers did is in Galatia, they created a Jesus that says you have to be circumcised. And in Antioch, they created a Jesus that says you have to eat certain things with certain people. And this wrong Jesus created wrong living. Because listen, wrong beliefs lead to wrong behaviors. If you believe the wrong thing, your behavior will soon follow. And listen, we often find ourselves following a cultural Jesus. Rather than taking Jesus for who he is, we create our own Jesus that fits into what we want him to be. And this allows people to do whatever they want because that Jesus supports it. They created a Jesus that says, do you know what? The Jews, the circumcised, the people that only follow these laws, the people that go to church every Sunday, the people that behave like this, they are the elite Christians, and we'll sit with them. But Jesus doesn't really care for those other guys, like those ones that aren't looking like me or acting like me or behaving like me. Like they sit over there, but we don't really associate with them, like with those people. We don't really like them. And so we are going to create our own Jesus, and we're going to sit where Really, this made-up Jesus supports us. And I know it sounds crazy, but we, fought, we live in a world where people create a cultural Jesus and worship him. I want to give you a couple of our modern cultural Jesuses. Number one, we have life coach Jesus. Life coach Jesus. Life coach Jesus is the God of self-help. Life coach Jesus is the God of self-hope. Jesus exists to help me. The reason Jesus is there is because I need help. And he is there to make my life better and to help me be a better version of myself. And that is why Jesus exists. And many people follow this, this cultural Jesus, this God of life coach, right? Like, 
I mean, that's why self-help books are like falling off the rack at bookstores, right? It's just like everybody needs self-help, and then there's this whole vein within Christianity. I've called them Christian self-help books because they're just self-help books, but they have like Jesus in it. And it's basically like Jesus wants you to have lots of money, and Jesus wants you to be better, and Jesus wants you to be smarter, and Jesus wants you to be happy. And here are my seven tips of how Jesus will make you famous on YouTube. And you're like, okay. And what it is, it's life coach Jesus. It's, it's, it's I bring him into my life to help me out. We bring him along to enhance our life. He's an addition to our life that is there for my benefit. It's Jesus is my co-pilot is the idea. I do whatever I want. I'm the driver. I'm in the driver's seat of my life. But if I need a little help or if I get lost or, or if I, I get sick or if I get confused, then Jesus, you show up. Your life coach, Jesus, you show up into my life and you just make my life a little bit better. And a lot of people create this Jesus, this life coach Jesus, and then they follow this Jesus. But listen, Jesus isn't a life coach. He's Lord. And listen, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. The, Jesus doesn't just show up when like you're like, oh, I just really, oh, I'm kind of in a bind. Like, Jesus, do you think you can help me out? And Jesus like gets off the bench and he's like, okay, I got this one from here. And then he goes and sits back down and he just waits to get called on for the next time. No, Jesus is Lord. There's an interesting story in the book of Joshua where Joshua, he is, he is the leader of the nation of Israel and they're going into the promised land and they're gonna take a city called Jericho. And the city Jericho was incredibly fortified. There was no way in or out. And so he gets up one night and he's, he's basically coming up with his battle plan. How are we gonna take over Jericho? And he wakes up and all of a sudden he sees somebody in the middle of the night with their sword drawn. The, the person's just standing out there like, with their sword drawn. And Joshua's like, I'm gonna go check that out. I'd be like, I'm going back to bed. Like, this is so weird. And he walks up to the guy, and listen to this. Uh, Joshua says, uh, oh, he asked him a question. I think I put, do we have the verse before that? I think I have it. I'm gonna go back here. Joshua says this. He, he looks at the guy with the sword drawn, and he says, are you for us, or are you for our adversaries? In other words, are you here to help me out, or are you here to help them out? Like, hey, you're a coach. Are you on my team or are you on their team? And listen to, to the person's response. He says, no. I love this part because you're like, that wasn't a yes or no question. Are you for them or are you for us? Like it's either or, not yes or no. And he says, no. But then he qualifies it. He says, but as the commander of the army of the Lord. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm not going to join your side, nor are I'm going to join their side, but you have opportunity to join my side. And that's how Jesus works. He's not life coach Jesus that shows up to help you out. He's Lord, and he has given us an invitation now to join his team, but it's not us asking him to, hey, Jesus, I'm going this way. I'm doing this thing. I'm going to live this life, and you're welcome to come along. It's fine if you don't, but I'm going this direction. That's not how it works. That's a cultural Jesus, and it's wrong. It's life coach Jesus. Number two, we've got country club Jesus. Country club Jesus. We got life coach Jesus. He's there to help you out. But we also got country club Jesus. This is an exclusive Jesus. Country club Jesus says, unless you behave like me or look like me or sing the songs I like or do it how I want, then you aren't 
welcome. Country Club Jesus says that you have to get yourself cleaned up and then you can come in. You ever been to a country club? It's pretty strict, right? You can't just like waltz on in there and be like, yeah, I'll have a cheeseburger. Like country clubs, you've got you to dress a certain way. You've got to talk a certain way. You've got to spend a certain amount of money each year at their country club. You've got to partake in either golf or tennis or swim or polo or whatever it is they play at that country club. Like country clubs, they are exclusive. There's a membership. And once you're a member there, then you can walk around. You've got the right country club T-shirt on. Right? You, you, you know how to talk. You know when the time is to show up and like smoke the cigars or whatever it is you do at a country club. But country club Jesus says you have to get yourself cleaned up and then you can come in. You have to change how you talk or you have to change how you think. You have to change how you dress and then you can come in. Listen, that's not the gospel. That's not Jesus. This is what we call legalism. It is the addition of anything else on top of simple faith in Jesus. The message of Jesus is you can come in exactly as you are. There's no dress code required. There's no skin color required. There's no circumstance that you have or haven't been through that's required. The message of Jesus is anybody and everybody is welcome. All you have to do is place faith in him. It's simple. That is the gospel message. But what tends to happen is people, they, they like the idea that they can get accepted in, but then people are really quick to all of a sudden become country club police. And all of a sudden, they begin to look around, and they go, do you know what? That person's sinning. And do you know what? That person isn't dressing how they sh should be dressing. And do you know what? I saw that that person... They said a bad word. And I saw one time they were listening. This is going to blow your mind. They were listening to secular music. And do you know what? I just can't allow it. Can't allow it. And what happens is people become monitors to Country Club Jesus. And they say, you have to look like me, and you have to act like me, and you have to behave like me, and you have to think like me in order to be accepted by God. Listen, Jesus loves you right where you're at. The promise of the gospel, though, is he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. There is transformation. There is change. There is what the Bible calls sanctification. But you don't have to fix yourself in order to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. Wherever you are, you are welcomed in. You can have a relationship with him. It is free. That is the gospel. But a country club Jesus says, you have to behave like me in order to be welcomed in. And the church in Galatia wasn't a church, it was a country club. People were, were, were monitoring, the door, monitoring the door and saying, um, are you following all of the dietary restrictions? Um, let me smell your breath. Did you have bacon for breakfast? That's not allowed. And they were saying that because of their behavior, they were no longer welcomed into the kingdom of God. All right, point number three. Worship team, you guys can come up here. You guys still with me? All right, we've got life coach Jesus. We've got country club Jesus. And then number three, we've got convenient Jesus. This is a cultural Jesus. Convenient Jesus. Convenient Jesus shows up when I want him around and when it helps me fit in. This is when people keep Jesus in their back pocket or in their Instagram bio and pull him out when they need to. 
It is when we behave one way around a certain group of people, and then we behave another way around a different group of people. This is what happened to Peter, right? Peter was hanging with the Gentiles. In fact, he thought it was awesome. Peter was amazed because his mind was so closed to the, to the scope of the gospel. He thought the gospel was only for certain people. And then Peter actually had a revelation of his own. You can read about it in the book of Acts. But he had a revelation of his own. God spoke to him and said, hey, the gospel's not just for Jews. The gospel's for everyone. And they were like, that is crazy. I just had no idea. And their whole world was just opened up to this reality that the gospel was for everyone. Now, newsflash. We are here today worshiping Jesus because the gospel is for everybody. Most of us in this room do not have Jewish heritage. Most of us are Gentiles, right? And so if it wasn't for Paul being angry in this letter, and if it wasn't for Peter getting his understanding right, we wouldn't be here. We're Gentiles. Most of us are Gentiles. And so the gospel came to us as a result. So their whole world was changing. Their whole mind was just being blown. The gospel is for everyone. The good news, the message is for no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you look like, no matter where you've been, the gospel is for you. And Peter's mind was blown. He was like, this is so cool. And and Peter was so fired up about it. He was eating with Gentiles. Now, now I know for us, that's like not a big deal. But, But in their context, in their world, that was a really big deal. In fact, that was one of the reasons why Jesus was murdered was because he was constantly eating with people that you weren't supposed to eat with. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? You can't eat with those people. And Jesus is like, what? They're people. I don't care where they've been. In fact, one of my favorite stories is Jesus goes to a town called Samaria. It says he needed to go to Samaria. It's one of the only times in the Gospels that Jesus needed to do anything. I needed to go to Samaria. Now, Samaria was, was people that the Jews hated. They were a different group of people. They did not like them. And Jesus had to go there because there was a woman he wanted to encounter. So Jesus constantly was breaking this mold, constantly doing this. So for, for Peter to, to get it in his mind and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat with the Gentiles. And he sits down with them, and they're like, hey, what's your story? Like, man, I was, I was worshiping pagan gods or I was, I was seeking just my own personal pleasure and I was living my life however I wanted it. And then all of a sudden I heard about this Jesus, this Jesus that apparently all I had to do is believe in him and my sins would be forgiven and I would have right standing with God and, and, and I would have access into eternity. And, and there was this promise of a purpose for my life and a calling on my life and I could leave all the shame and regret that I was experiencing and I could walk with him. And I was like, that sounds so good. Peter's like, that's amazing. I can't believe that's so cool. And then what's happening is, is Peter's like getting to know these guys. And like, man, the Gentiles, they're just like me. They're, they're not that different. Like we're all saved because of the grace of God. We're all saved because of the blood of Jesus. This is so cool. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, these, these Judaizers roll into town, right? You could tell because of the way that they were dressed or whatever. Like these guys are all prim and proper. They know the law. They know all 600 and whatever laws that are in the Old Testament. You know, they'd never eat bacon. Are you kidding me? And they come in, and Peter sees them. And he's standing there in the cafeteria, right? He's like, oh, I don't know where to go. Like, I kept eating with them, and their stories were so cool, and, like, the gospel, it was doing all these things. But he's like, ah, oh, these guys are here. And so he goes, sorry, guys. 
right? And he goes and sits with, and he's like, oh, yes, the law. Oh, bacon, gross. <laughs> like lying through his teeth, bacon, gross. Uh, and so, so Paul hears about this, right? Paul's like, what? No, don't you understand that one, that's not true. And two, don't you realize how damaging that is to the Gentiles that thought it was the free gift of salvation? And he, I love the language of Paul. Um, can we pull up, I think it's verse four. Um, I love this. It says, yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. These guys come back in and they're, they're free, right? These, these people had experienced freedom in Christ and they begin to wrap them back up in chains. They say, you thought you were free, but it's actually not that easy. You thought Jesus set you free. You thought the cross paid it all, but the reality is it, it paid some. You still have, there's still a little left on your tab. You still owe a little bit more. And so, sorry, you got to get circumcised, or sorry, you got to keep the law, or sorry, you got to do this thing, or sorry, you've got to go to church this many times in a row, or you got to have this many devotions, or you got to listen to this many worship songs, you got to do this, 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 and then you'll be a real Christian. And so, so Paul hears about this, and he's like, no, you can't do that. We, we can't live like this. But what Peter had done is he, had, he'd, he says he played the hypocrite. Now, we hear that word hypocrite all the time in church, don't we? Like we hear, like, that is, like, one of the words that, especially maybe you've invited a friend to church, and they're like, oh, the church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. Do you know what the best response to that is? Is you are absolutely correct. Do you want to come and be another one? <laughs> because it's true. Like, all of us are hypocrites. Now, let me tell you, a hypocrite is not someone who tries and fails. A hypocrite is not someone who tries not to sin and then sins. That's not being a hypocrite. That's being a person. Right? I don't want to sin. I don't want to sin. And I screw up and I sin. That's called being a human being. A hypocrite is not someone who doesn't want to do something and does it anyways. Like for me, I don't really like doing the dishes. In fact, I hate doing the dishes. But can I tell you, I do the dishes every single time we do a, have a meal. And every time I do the dishes, I think I would, there's a million other things I'd rather be doing than doing the dishes. But it doesn't make me a hypocrite to get up and do the dishes even though I don't want to be doing them. Right? It makes me like kind of a decent human being. So a hypocrite is not someone who, who, who does something even though they don't want to do it. A hypocrite is an actor. Hypocrite is an actor that literally means to wear a mask. It literally means to, to put on a performance. It, it's to be one way around one group of people and then to completely change your face and your identity around another group. And that's what happened to Peter. Peter was like, oh, I'm all for the Gentiles. The God's grace is for everybody. This is so good. And then he's like, takes that mask off, puts on a different one. He's like, what's up, guys? It's Gentiles, am I right? And do you know what it is? It's a convenient Jesus. When it's, when it's convenient for me, I'll bring Jesus up. Like, when it's convenient for me, like, when we're in church and, like, everybody's doing it, and, like, I guess that's what we're talking about, like, I'm totally down with Jesus. But then, like, I leave church and literally take off my mask now, right, because we make you wear mask. Anyways, um, <laughs> Like we leave church and, and we go out to our other group of friends or we go back to our home or we go to our, our sports team or we go to our workplace. And what do we do? We put on another mask and we're like, oh, I don't even talk about Jesus. I'm not even into that. I don't even listen to worship music. I don't even, what, I don't even know what that is. Like the Bible, what? I don't know. And what we do is we put, 
put on the mask. And it's, it's when it's convenient for us. When Jesus is convenient, I'll pull him out. And when, he, he, when he's going to put me in trouble or he's going to make me feel awkward or, or, or I'm going to, uh, people might laugh at me. Or, 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 or what, if, what if these people that have more like followers than I do, what if they see, and I don't know if I, I just don't know. And so many people play this game. Is following a convenient Jesus when he helps your status or your ability to look a certain way or feel a certain way, we follow him. Listen, here's my last thought. You can write this down. I know I said it was my last thought earlier, but did I give this to you? I hope so. If you want to be free, you've got to be brave. If you want to be free, you've got to be brave. You've got to be willing to stand up even if you're the only one standing. You've got to be willing to say, do you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to identify myself with him. I don't care. Even if I'm alone, even if nobody goes with me, even if everybody laughs at me, even if I've got to withstand Peter to his face and say, what you're doing is wrong, but I'm going to go anyways because I'm going to follow Jesus with my whole life, regardless of what other people do. You've got to stand up for Jesus, even if that means standing alone. It's not a convenient Jesus. It's an all-in Jesus. It's he gave me everything. It's he paid the ultimate price. He died on the cross for my sins. He gave it all for me. And so in return, it's not going to be convenient. It's not going to be life coach. It's not going to be country club. It's going to be all-in. I'm going to give my life to Jesus because he's worthy of it. And no matter what it looks like and no matter what I go through and no matter what other people say about me, I'm going to stand up for Jesus because he is worthy of my complete. He is worthy of my everything. He's worthy of all that I've got. And so I'm going to follow Jesus. Come on, if you agree.